where Dave and I plan this year's company holidays. Let's go through the list. Easter, too religious. St. Patrick's Day? Too white. Mother's Day? Way too cisgendered. All of your usual holidays have been canceled this year. But we still have Karl Marx's birthday! Ha <laughs> Need a real reason to party? Find a new job at redballoon.work. It's hard to hear it and it's hard to watch it. I, I get it. But people need to be woken up to really what is going on right now. Uh, this is genocide. This is on purpose. And this was, you will own nothing and be happy. Hey everybody, Michael Thiessen here. And today I am with Jamie Saleh. And if you don't know who she is, you should leave Canada and you should not be able to speak about any type of winter sport ever. Um, Jamie, it's such a privilege to have you on my show. Uh, I literally am so excited to be able to have this conversation. 2002, I'm, I am the third child. So that means I'm little brother to two older figure skating sisters. Okay. So very, you know, full disclosure, I had no interest in figure skating for myself to actually do it, but also full disclosure, secretly loved watching pairs figure skating with my sisters. So 2002 hit, you are, uh, you, you are in the middle of the controversy, but we're, we're watching that gold medal performance. And it's interesting because I rewatched it this morning and it's so true. Every single Canadian, every single person booed about the results. And it takes a lot for Canadians to physically boo. As you know, right now in our stand for freedom, it takes a lot for Canadians to just vocalize any type of dissenting voice. Mm -hmm. And you were a moment in Canadian history where I've never heard such an instantaneous judgment of yeah. injustice. Yeah. And so it's such a privilege to have you on. Thank you for coming and talking to us. Uh, oh. Matthew in pre-post-production was just telling me that you also did some type of, I can't remember. Did you do something in Blades of Glory as part of like a humor stunt? Were you in a cameo there? Yeah. So we were in, a, I think it's three to five second cameo in Blades of Glory. And the whole point was that, we were competing against the two guys, the actors, and um, we were in a warm up and we had to show that we were all struggling. <laughs> so we looked at the producers and we said, we didn't get to meet any of the actors, which was too bad. But we looked at the producers and we said, you realize we're professionals, right? Like it's pretty hard for us to like plan to make, like <laughs> they want to make mistakes everywhere. They said, can you fall in a desk row? I'm like, that's actually really dangerous to do it on purpose. Anyway, it right. was really, so we, yeah. So that was cool. And then um, I've also been two years in Battle of the Blades as a skater with two two hockey players. And then I was um, trying to remember all the other things I've done. Um, we have a de Netflix documentary out on our scandal uh, called It's Part of Bad Sport. It's uh, one of six documentaries, docu-series. Um, Battle of the Blades, I mentioned. Yeah, there's been quite a few things that I've been a part of. So it's been it's been a fun journey. <laughs> Well, I just want to say 
uh, again, I'm so glad that they they actually corrected that wrong. I, I I secretly still don't understand how they could share the gold medal with the Russians, but I guess they were just being nice to them. But uh, I want you to can you take us back to that moment in 2002? Because as we were talking about just before we went on camera, I've actually thought of your story throughout the last two or three years as just such an obvious parallel to what we're kind of going through, like a, a quick judgment that really was full of uh, corruption mm -hmm. and then the need to peel back and investigate. So if you wouldn't mind, help all of the, you know, those of us who have loved watching you, take us back to that moment and let's talk about that actual moment of injustice in history. Okay, where do you want me to take you to when we saw that we were second the first night? Because that's what happened, right? We got off the ice and our first marks came up. It was technical merit and we won. So far at that point, we thought we had, because we had been higher mark, our marks were higher than the Russians. So we said, holy Toledo, we're going to win this. Then the artistic impression marks came up and we saw the ordinal number two beside it. And that's when everybody erupted. That's when the live audience erupted, all of you at home erupted, the Americans, people around the world erupted. And, um, and so we got off of the, they call it the kiss and cry area where we sit and get our marks. So we go into the media and the media is now going, how do you feel about this? This, we don't like, they were actually even saying right away, this doesn't feel right. So that was a difficult thing to get through, but we did. And then, but Dave and I were always like, you know what? We came here to skate. We can't control whatever happens. And so we just, we, you know, held each other and our coach kept saying, you know, keep your heads high, just, just stay positive, you know, um, take the high road kind of thing, which is what Canadians do. We're famous for being nice and kind. And so we're going out. And, for our and in that, and in that reaction, I just literally watched that again and I could be wrong, but I do think your immediate reaction, even in that moment, when you saw that, did you mouth the words like, yeah, you did that. And then did you, did you say something like it's okay? Or did you like, I, yeah. right. Like you did like, you, okay. yeah, you really were just stunned and then did the, did the Canadian thing. <laughs> like I, I would, I would have like, those oh, skates God. are made, those skates are made for cutting. Like, I, I don't know. I would have gone Rambo. Uh, Cause again, it's, it's in our, it's in us to be, you know, be a good sport. And we're not generally like, when have we seen Canadians? I mean, I, I can't think of something off my head, like off the top of my head right now of a Canadian being a poor sport at something, but losing something. But anyway, so we, we go out to the medal ceremony and the story after we heard after was that the Canadian judge forced the French judge to sit and stay and watch the medal ceremony. He said, sit and you watch what you just did. Because she wasn't the only one that had a second. There were four other judges that had a second, but they were all colluding together. This was a whole plan. They had planned this years prior to the Olympics, and they knew who they could get on their team to, to put us second. And they, um, they even planned it so far back. They said they let us, they let us win can, uh, in Canada the year before. Vancouver, we had Nash, uh, sorry world championships. So they said the whole plan is let's let the Canadians win worlds so that they're happy because the Russians are going to win the Olympics. Now, it depends who you're talking to. We, you know, we still think that we had a great skate at worlds and we deserve that gold medal. But regardless, they had a plan. And the French judge actually told our Canadian French judge, 
uh, four months prior to the Olympics at Skate Canada that, you know, she, they got, they were at a banquet together and he said, she said something like, you know, I love your team so much, but I have to vote for the Russians. And he stood there and he's like, pardon me? Like, what did you just say? And so they're speaking French, right? But he chose not to say anything because he said, if I said something, what does this remind you of? If I said something, they would find a way for me not to be there. Canceling, right? Censoring and canceling. So he said, I stayed quiet after I heard this information. We get to the Olympics. We end up second. It all plays out the way it's supposed to for them. And my... The Canadian judge was so mad, he said he wanted to try to stop it from happening, but he couldn't. So here we are, we're in second. As soon as we get off the podium, CBC French comes to David and or comes down and to the boards and says to David, there's a fix in with the French judge. That's all we got told. And so we're skating around, waving, and we get off the ice and like, excuse the expression, but like shit hit the fan, right? So... The next day, we're doing 6 a.m. NBC interview. They're already talking about it because the French judge went to the hotel after she felt guilty. So she told a colleague the story. She's like, I was told to vote for the Russians, and I don't feel good about this decision. The, the Canadians were better tonight. And so it just it went like wildfire. And it, after that, for six days, it was a media frenzy. Like, it was scary. We were doing interview after interview, and of course, the media was going nuts, and we had interviews with Jay Leno and Larry King and all these celebrities, right, that have talk shows, and it became the news of the Olympics. So after six days, the Olympic, the IOC said, this is taking over the Olympics to the ISU, International Skating Union. They said, fix your sport. We need this to stop. So basically, give the Canadians a gold medal and shut everybody up. So they did. They had a ceremony in the arena. They said, we want this for TV because we need to make it big and dramatic. And they asked the Russians to come back, which was scary as heck because they didn't want to be near us. They were bad mouthing us. Actually, they were saying how we're babies, we're whiners, we're complaining. And this is like, we're anyway, they were not happy with us. And we said, we're not even saying anything. We're not blaming anybody. We're just sitting here answering questions. Um, so it was a really difficult time and the four of us had to go out there. The Chinese team didn't want to come, which I completely understand. And um, so there we are out on the, out on the podium again, and they're redoing the ceremony, but giving us cold gold medals. Now you don't take away someone's gold medal unless they're involved in, in the controversy. So the Russian team themselves didn't do anything wrong. They weren't a part of that. Um, but I mean, who knows really what the true, true story is, but them as skaters were not involved in it. So um, it was awkward, but then, you know what? It ended up being a really interesting blessing in disguise because the four of us ended up going on tour with Stars on Ice for four years together and, and made, you know, made a great time of it. Like the fans loved it because it was conscious, you know? <laughs> so we weren't enemies in the end. And I actually really, we liked them, but... I think just with the Olympic, um, them feeling, and we would probably feel the same way. Like everybody was cheering for us after we skated. They're like, the Canadians should have won the Canadian. So that would feel pretty bad. Right. So they were just feeling beat up and singled out and left out and whatever. So they, they were just trying to, um, and I know people are listening to this going, Oh, come on, Jamie, they were just being poor sports, whatever. 
point is. Well, I think that people are listening to to you going, and again, this is it's, that's the thing. I've heard it many, many times. I'm like Jamie, you're so nice. They're just they were being poor sports. They knew they didn't win, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, I know, but. <laughs> Well, it, it's it's empathy. You, you're you're show, you're you're trying to have the appropriate amount of empathy for them, even though they're involved in it. And and it's a hard thing. You know, I I talk about this a lot, right? I have a really hard time right now having empathy for any of the pastors who have remained silent for two years, uh, any of the doctors that I know who have just li- who will privately come to me all day long and say, okay, like. I don't like the mask. I don't mind the mask, but everything else is a bunk. And I even know the mask is a bunk, but I, you know, what, what am I supposed to do? I got to keep my job. Right. Yeah. And, and so you're trying to navigate like the, the actual not being a callous individual to what they're going through while at the same time interpreting, well, wait a minute, it was a complete fraud. So for our listeners, Jamie, and, and, Forgive me because I probably did go and and watch the 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 documentaries years ago, but like how did the investigation begin? Was there a formal investigation? Was it literally just one confession or or was there a, a formal investigation into the whole thing where they've tracked back how far they started planning? Um, and again, maybe help our people understand planning because again, if someone's like, "Hey, we really want the Russians to win," and we're going to appease the Canadians by let by by not, I would say, I wouldn't say letting them win, not interfering with them in two thousand and one. That doesn't take a lot of coordination for a few people to do that. So, yeah. We, what really transpired as far as the investigation? Because of course, you're out there answering all these questions, probably not knowing exactly the details yet or when were you told the details as we were going through it like we were kind of rolling with it i remember dave and i would go back to our dorms and just be like this is insane like we would hear something new every day we had no idea we just were two canadians that went to win a gold medal at the olympics and we worked really hard to get there and you know it was important for us to to stay very focused on what we were doing. I also got there and I was still quite sick. So we didn't really pay attention to anything except getting me better and getting ready, prepared to skate, to perform. So we weren't part of any like gossip or like we were trying to really, we had our blinders on. Um, so your homework now is to go watch this, the documentary on Netflix, Bad Sport. It's, uh, I think, what our title is, but you'll see it's Jamie and Soleil and David Pelche. It's our story. It's only an hour. Now, if you're in the States listening, or if you have access to the US um, TV, that and Peacock did a, a longer documentary, I believe they're at least, I think it's two hours, and it's a little bit more detailed. But they basically explained that, yes, there was a, a, a very big investigation, but who's investigating? The three letter, um, you know, the you know what I mean the corrupt (laughs) which I laugh at now because awakening you find out that these three-letter agencies are part of a lot of the corruption right so you're going hmm but anyway they made it they did look like they they put in a lot of effort they showed the public that they were investigating and what they got was that their the mafia was even involved there was this Russian guy that was talking to the French uh well she's Russian actually the French ice dancer she's Russian and there was a there was a conversation that went on between those two and he was telling her it's all fixed don't worry you're gonna win and the the whole thing was that 
we, you know, each the ice dance and the pairs, they, they didn't have their own judge or something on the panel. I can't remember how the story really goes. You have to watch this documentary, but cause to me, it really doesn't matter. Um, it just, there was a, it was like, they wanted the French ice dance team to win and the Russian pair to win. That's all they cared about. So they were, it was like trying to get all the other judges that were in that Eastern blocks together to vote for the Russians. And then the same thing with the ice dancers. So they got what they wanted, but it didn't work because the Russians made mistakes. <laughs> so it was very obvious. Now, I truly believe that God had a plan that night, right? Like he, it was like, uh-uh, you don't get to do this. So I just think that karma is real and it all got exposed and it ended up being for David and I, it actually ended up being a better story than winning outright because we became household names across around the world. And I do, we, we benefited from that as professionals big time. So, you know, I, as much as you go, it's not what happens to us, it's how we react to it. And we stayed really calm and collected and we just were like staying positive and it, and it benefited us. It really did. Okay. So listeners, uh, maybe, you know, you're just gonna have to write in every once in a while when I'm not being so positive and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> correct me on that. Yes. Yeah, so, so, so Jamie, yeah, like obviously scripture teaches that there is a, there's consequence for immoral 100%. behavior. And 100%. so, um, I do just want to remind our listeners and just kind of interpret this a little bit. So, the reason why I asked Jamie to come on, everybody, is because this is a story that required investigation. So at this point, the media is they're in it, they're in it to win it in the sense of the media has a great story. Sports, and Jamie, you feel free to comment on this. There's probably an inside corruption, but there is still an outward there is still a, a there's still an outward desire among the people that sports are fair play. Like, like this is a story that the media can't lose on, you know, like the, the fans want you to win. There's drama in whether you won or not, they can take it, spin it, tour you around. And if it, and if it turned out that the investigation revealed that no, actually you lost and the Russians won, uh, they could still report on that and not be involved in just being an absolute one-sided corrupt organization. So this is a situation where you had a little bit of press neutrality because of the situation, but the, the entire thing required that investigation to at least peel, peel back and go, okay, well, at least there was one lie told. We had the French judge admitting this and but, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say she admitted it the first night. But then when it started to get revealed and it went viral and everyone was talking about it, then she tried to retract her actual truth. <laughs> she tried yeah. to say, no, I still think that the Russians should have won. And like, she tried to retract it. And it's like, everybody went, it's too late. You just already exposed this corruption. You exposed yeah. the fact that this was planned by yeah. all these corrupt people. Like, so David and I, this was our, we were only amateurs for four years, but once we got on the circuit, it was like, uh Oh, cause they knew that we were going to be in contention for the top right, right away. Like we were, came in with, 
you know, we were very, very much, um, we were on the rise very quickly. And so I think at least two years before the Olympics, they were already talking about this. Well, but they were a team to win. Like it was already going to be that this Russian team is going to be the next Olympic champion. But then we came in and kind of like challenged that. Yes. And, and the reality of it is your fan base saw that coming. So again, 2001 was obvious. And then. But the Olympics, it's, you even have non-skating fans watching the Olympics. So that was the worst place to do this. Yeah. You know, it's very risky when you've got millions, not like skating fans, because when the world championships run, okay, you might have a million or two watching that, but you've got the world watching now. So we had not only Canadian fans, but we had, you know, the people in the building, we had American. I mean, we couldn't have been in a better country for this because if we were in Japan or Italy before or after that Olympics, it would have been kind of quiet. It would have been a lot quieter because of the time delay. Right. So being in the States, like, I mean, it was divine. It was divine timing. (laughs) It couldn't have been better for us for the exposure of it. I even believe somehow I had a, uh, there was an agreement made in a past life that I was to come here to do that because <laughs> it's so, it's, it's, it plays out so perfectly. Well, you, you and I can have a long worldview conversation sometime and about God's sovereignty and about how the Lord works. Uh, it, it's very clear in a, in a few situations where, um, you know, God has created the world. He's created the world with rules. He's created the world for the rules that sports parallel very often. The idea of honesty, like the idea of fairness, fair play comes from honest play, right? Like you're playing a game of soccer with 25 kids and uh, one kid just wants to run out of bounds and hog the ball all of a sudden the boundary line makes sense. It's, it's a, it, and it's all based on God's command on honesty. So you and I can talk about God's created order and whether or not you, uh, you came back from another life, which I, I personally would not suggest you have, but what I, what, what, what God's word does say though, is that, you know, God uses individuals and in times to, 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 yeah. Uh, bring glory to himself and to teach other people about uh, the right way to go. Right. And so um, I, I I truly believe that the Lord, you know, you think of uh, the story of Esther where she had to take a courageous stand and the Lord said it was for just a time. I've been told that story. I've been told this a few times. They said, read the, read the book of Esther. And I'm like, why? Like, just tell me why, why specifically that? And they're like, like you. It relates to me and I'm like, oh, okay. So yeah, that's the fifth time I've heard this. Well, then you have to read the book of Esther and uh, keep uh, keep yeah. reading other scripture because honestly, yeah. th- for me, interacting with all of this as a, as a Christian pastor, um, it's, it's been about helping people understand the events in the context of, you know, you know, God has created the world and he said, do these things. And when we don't do them, we see, you know, evil rise to the top and, and individuals absolutely yes. be abused. So, so let's yes. use this as a, as a transition point to talk about January, 2021, 
where you, we talked earlier just about how it was around that time that you started getting really passionate and waking up to what's going on around you. So maybe before we get to that time, what was 2020 for like for you and you know, what was it like journeying and and what was the point where you said, look, I really want to, I really want to understand what's going on. So why don't you describe Hmm. 20 and 2021 for us? Sure. So when it first hit, I was in Phoenix and I, and I was at someone's house, I was doing a workshop because I was a, um, a transformational coach and I was asked to go and do a workshop. So I was with a bunch of people and this uh, husband of the house said, oh, there's a big virus going around and it's going like, it's literally going to, they're saying there's going to be, it's going to be global, blah, blah, blah. So I was like, I better get home. So I flew home. And then and my, my husband at the time was involved with the NHL. And he said, yeah, we're getting told that tonight too. So we knew that something was coming. Everything got shut down. We're in lockdown now, stay home two weeks to, you know, whatever. So yeah, it's, I think back to this and I'm just like, oh my goodness. But anyway, so, but because my husband at the time is a big CNN watcher, he's, um, he just really, he follows the news. I don't watch the news ever. And I'm quite awake to the whole medical industry in that when people go to the, a doctor or the hospital, they treat, they treat the, um, the symptoms, not the cause of what they're dealing with. So I've watched my family kind of get sicker and sicker and sicker. They get put on drugs and they get sicker and sicker and health problems after health problems. And they're getting, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger. And I'm just like, this whole system is really messed up. So not to criticize the medical industry, but I've been cautious with specific things. So I think when everything hit me, when I started getting presented with some information, I was already open to this. But I also believe, again, back to the whole, you know, the Lord, I do believe that he woke us all up for a reason. The ones that are awake, we are the chosen ones. I don't really understand or understand exactly uh, everything about that right now. All I'm doing right now is trying to speak out right now and help people feel supported. Because when I started sharing, when I was waking up, um, people were People were interested, like they were, oh, what do you, oh, where'd you find that? Where'd you find that? And they were interested. But then all of a sudden it became when the injections started coming out and I wasn't getting it, everyone got a little quieter and they knew where I was, where I stood in this. So they got quieter and they also started like being less in touch with me. Um, everyone got uncomfortable with me to the point where I was told by my best friend group that I'm a risk to be around and they don't want to be around someone who's a white supremacist. Um, and they just can't be around me anymore. And my husband at the time and I were having difficulties and this literally made us do this. Like we just, we, he thought I was on a a nut train. Uh, that's all conspiracy. Good luck with this path that you're on. Hmm. And he chose, you know what? And I was like, I, I can't go down that path. I can't support this. So unfortunately that didn't end well for us. And then my family was kind of because of my marriage was now over, my friends were now not wanting to be around me, my family panicked. And they thought, oh, dear, she's down this dark path. And I was trying to share things still with everybody. But at that point, everyone's injected. So you know, they're gonna, they've bought in, right? So and I know that the listeners, your listeners right now are going, yeah, it's our story too. So I knew that this was going to be a very lonely journey for me. But I knew 
at that point that I was very aware of what this was and what was going on. And I wasn't going to back down. It's scary in a way because you go, I'm the only one in my family that sees this. Is that like, am I, you, you question yourself, am I the crazy one? Like, am I, or like, am I being fooled here? But then I started doing my own research. Like I looked up the WEF and what their agenda was. They don't hide it. You start seeing it in movies. They're, they're telling us in movies what they had in store for us. Like it just, once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's everywhere. And then this whole gender thing in schools, my son came home and he's telling me about how this girl in his class doesn't know what she is. And I was like, what? So everything started getting exposed more. And I went, oh, there it is. There it is. And it, it aligned with everything that they were warning us what was coming. And then, so I went on a really big spiritual, physical, emotional uh, mental healing journey that whole year of 2021. So probably from the summer on, and I worked with many different healers. Like I just needed a lot of support because I felt so alone. And then the truckers came through and in, that was in January, right? Of 2022. And I was sobbing and I was, cause I was asking, I was praying every day and I was saying, please like, show me a way through this. I need, I need, I need to, I need a sign. Like, I want to know that I'm on, I'm on uh, the right path kind of thing. I want to know that we're, you know, that there's people behind this, you're behind this. Like anyway, so then that, that trucking uh, movement happened. So I started posting on social media, how excited I was. It was super patriotic and I'd never, I haven't felt that patriotic since the Olympics. And I was very emotional. I was incredibly grateful and posting, I got annihilated. Like I was shocked. I just posted like we did a local uh, truck. Um, we did a local, uh, what do you call it? Convoy. And I just was t taking pictures of like all, all of the people that were supporting this. And like people that I know were literally saying, shame on you, Jamie, shame on you. You're supporting a terrorist group. What happened to you? What have you, what, like just shaming me and ridiculing and gaslighting me. And so I connected with Theo Fleury who I saw was also wide awake and he was, I skated with him in Battle of the Blades and I knew him from the Olympics in 2002 because he was in Team Canada then too. So he was one of the only athletes speaking out. So I reached out to him and I said, Theo, like, how do you do this? Because I just started posting stuff. And um, he said, Jamie, it's this or we die. Like, that's how strong he felt. Like, we're at war. And I said, yes, I'm aware we're at war, but it seems like majority of Canadians in the world aren't aware of this. Uh, and, and very quickly we realized it wasn't a lot of the world that wasn't aware. A lot of the world is aware because it's not their first rodeo with tyranny and communism and fascism. They're not, they're not, they're used to this. Whereas Canadians are just, we're so compliant and we're so nice and we just want to get along and do what we were told. And so this was shocking to me to see so many Canadians not see what I could see. It was frustrating. Anyway, so I continued to get just annihilated, but I do want to say to you that uh, in one of my prayers one day, um, it was before the convoy started. I also said, um, I was, I, I can't remember specifically what I was praying about, but I was really sad because I, I'd, I've lost, not my son hasn't passed or anything, but he went to school last year and got coerced into this whole thing. And because his mother doesn't think like everybody else, uh, it's just more comfortable to not be around me. So I've lost my son in my life. 
um, since basically October of last year. So a year now, I've seen my son once, one day. And so I was probably praying about, you know, bringing him in back into my life. And I, I always do like this, my higher self talks to his higher self. I try to do everything I can, but I got this massive message from him, God. And he said, it's go time. It's time to go. You need to stand up now, not need. It's time to stand up. And it was so powerful. It like went right through me and I just went, okay. And then that convoy happened. And then I, I knew that was the sign. So I started posting and it was really awful. I was scared. I was, I felt like I had a pit in my stomach. I've never had so many people hate me. Um, I've never been political in my life. I don't stand up for much except, you know, love. And I supported people in the past. I was a coach that put out very positive messages, you know, and here I am now posting things that is super controversial and a lot of the public is not supporting. So I was very, uh, I, I, it was like a, I had, it, I don't know. I just took a lot of uh, support and courage for me to continue to stand up and, and post what I wanted to post. And, and I know that posting is only part of it, but it was a, it was the way that I wanted to start to show the public that I wasn't supporting what our government was telling us. So Jamie, sometimes in these interviews, I have the, I have the tension yeah, of gone. just being an interviewer and maybe then sometimes being a pastor. And so do you mind if I just be a pastor for a minute here and whether or not we even air this part, it just kind of talk to you how I would a friend and, and just kind of reflect just so a few, a few thoughts. Number one, like your, your, um, your conversations with God um, everybody needs to know that the reason why we call out to God is because God is personal. And this is why in the same way that we have relationships with other people where we reveal ourselves to them, the, the reason why I put my faith in Jesus Christ and the, and you know father son and and holy spirit is because god has revealed himself to us so it's very natural for people to pray and if we've got some listeners who are kind of like you who are on a journey and they're on a prayer journey the the one thing i want to say about your journey is that you're you're probably investigating the the spiritual realm and and the and the way that god created things in the same way that you were investigating um the medical world a little bit and just food for thought, just know that there are as many fake religious charlatans out there as there are. Yes, I'm very. So, yes. so just as you kind of share yes. your story, I want to validate that you're crying out to God and him personally answering you by giving you that extra um, confirmation is one amazing step. I just really would encourage you to keep digging into the Bible to see because some of these other parameters yeah. and qualifications or things that you're thinking about, um, we have to bring all of our thoughts captive to Christ. And so yeah. um, this is, you're talking about spirituality. It, it's just, it, to be honest with you, just because you're mixing a lot of terms from a lot of different religions and that's okay. But just, I want you to know, like, sorry. That's okay for you to be on that journey to be discovering that, but that's just 
why I'm kind of saying keep investigating who Christ is. Read a lot about Jesus and it will help you even further understand what's going on. Because again, the whole thing about tyranny that you're discovering is simply people rejecting God in order to replace themselves as God. And you even brought it up uh, when we were talking about the whole sex agenda. You know, you have to literally mm -hmm. look at the world and you have to turn it upside down from what reality is. You have to close your eyes and go, na 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 boo boo, I can't see you, to to pursue some type of like sexual desire or sexual perversion to reject the idea that there's only two sexes, that there's a, there's a male sex and there's a female yes. sex. So the amount of exegetical, the amount of like gymnastics, the amount of like pairs figure skating up on a pedestal that someone has to do to reject reality is what you're seeing, but they're doing it out of a out of a of, of a serious rebellion against god just so that they get to place themselves and so that's why when we look at the world economic forum and again you know i went same thing as you i went from okay really like is this book the great reset that was published three months after the pandemic hit is that really a thing and then you go buy the book and then you read the book and you go, wait a minute, the World Economic Forum is literally talking about using the pandemic to reset the world. And they had this written yeah. and published within three months and distributed within three months of the pandemic. Like all it takes is a little bit of investigation to find the truth. And yeah. I just maybe wanted to keep in telling you the same thing goes with religion. There's a lot of occult out there. There's a lot of Satanism that switches and masquerades itself. And so just keep digging into your scriptures. And um, yeah. that was Pastor my Mike pastor, there for a minute, if you don't mind. No, no, my pastor said that uh, a couple Sundays ago. He said, you need to, we need to know that this is not about religion. This is about a relationship with God. And I love that because I've always had, before my awakening, I always had a huge problem with religion because i felt like so many people were hypocrites they'd say this they'd preach this but then they would behave this way and i'm going well but you're saying that but then you're not you're not living that so um no and and this is um i'm seeing a lot of people that are waking up are if they haven't had a relationship with god they are now like there's a lot of people that have found god or have developed a stronger relationship with god and that is one common thing I'm seeing, which is so beautiful, because I truly believe we're walking each other back home right now. And God's bringing us all together. And it's so beautiful for me. I'm connecting with people all over the world right now, messaging me. And I'm going, it's like we're, it's like we know each other. It's, it's beautiful. This episode is brought to you by Rocklink Investment Partners. The team at Rocklink, as we all know them and love them, does not support a woke Marxist WEF-friendly cancel culture worldview. And they've created the Kokomo Fund. In light of bank accounts being seized and frozen during the Emergencies Act, or its former truer name, the War Measures Act, Rocklink can help you move your investments overseas based on in the Cayman Islands, the world's number one offshore market for investment funds. 
Give the freedom lovers at Rocklink a call, as many of our staff have, at 905-631-5462, or send them an email at info at rocklink.com. That's info at rocklink with a C dot com. Well, in times past, in times past, if people are coming to faith in Christ and then they're they are seeing you know, corruption and evil for what it is. And then they're, they're drawing their strength from other individuals. We've called that awakenings and we've called that reformations just so you know, and just, just to let the cards, you know, just to show you my cards. um, I have no problem with the word religion in the sense that religion is just formalized faith. Right. And so sometimes in our evangelical worlds or sometimes in the Christian world, that hypocrisy that you don't like people kind of get confused. Like, I'm still a religious person. And by the way, I am just as much a hypocrite as everybody else in the sense that we all struggle with yeah. sin, but it's the hypocrite. It's the person who admits their sin and repents and says, Lord, I I need, I need faith in Christ to save me from my sin. Yes. That allows you then to kind of be this weird hypocrite where it's like, well, you're a hypocrite. Well, I know I'm a hypocrite, but I admitted that I'm a yeah. hypocrite. Like I'm yeah. sorry. It, it, repentance is a powerful yeah. thing. And so actually that's part of your story that's exciting even just with your 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 taking a stand is you've 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 switched or or you or you really you really weren't sure at the beginning mm-hmm. and you are now admitting that like you, you had a you had, you had a period where you needed to change your mind and so many people need to do that so thank you for mm-hmm. doing that particularly on these issues mm-hmm. so so what has your research been leading to you lately? Like, um, what are the, what are the one or two things that, that, have, you know, I don't know. I haven't read your Twitter feed today. I actually have it right in front of me, but I can't read it while we're, while we're filming. But like, what are some things that are, are, what is the, what is the most common thing you think you're retweeting about and investigating? Oh, the most common thing is we're, we're, we're doing, we're exposing the lies. We're exposing how the media is now saying that, um, children uh, are going to have heart attacks, uh, from naps and playing video games. Really? Um, they're just this, the, the mainstream is trying to post a little bit of the truth, but they're not telling the whole truth. They're saying, they're basically admitting that children are now having myocarditis, higher, higher, higher numbers of myocarditis and, and heart problems. Well, I mean, and then Alberta has the highest number of uh, unknown deaths, unknown reason of death or whatever it's called, sudden unknown, all of a sudden. Like, we know what is the reason behind this? What's the common denominator here? We have athletes. We have over 1,500 athletes or something that have dropped dead around the world. Is there is are, are there any athletes in Canada tracking and at all trying to talk about the sports community in Canada? No. Like, no, just still, still silence. Because I know the soccer players, they're starting to really track that worldwide. But no, like I'm Theo and I are the only two athletes that we're aware of anyway that are speaking out and we're just trying to put out the truth. Like we post things from, you know, the, the media lying um, to the government shenanigans. And we're just trying to expose their lies. And we're trying to, you know, sometimes I put up memes, sometimes I put up 
um, quotes. Sometimes I put up uh, really tough articles that are being put out now by virologists and scientists and doctors that are on um, the truth side of this. And it's hard to it's hard to hear it and it's hard to watch it. I, I get it. But people need to be woken up to really what is going on right now. Uh, this is genocide. This is on purpose. And this was you will own nothing and be happy. And nobody that is seeing that uh, wants to believe that. They, I have my family members that have even said to me, Jamie, there can't be that much evil in this world that they would want to do that to us. Well, when you find out who has been running or ruling this world, <laughs> you, that's what wakes you up to this. And then, like I said to you, once you see it, you can't unsee it. It's everywhere. It's infiltrated in everything. Everything. My, my, my listeners know that um, I happened to be a Second World War junkie right around the time that the pandemic hit. And so I was literally listening to podcasts and reading history books about the propaganda campaigns of the yes. Soviet Union and the propaganda campaigns of, of the yes. Germans that I started um, like – like, right. Of course, you know, first 15 days. Great. You know, I, I all mo, mo, the most conservative, well-informed podcasters and news individuals were like, yeah, sure. Fit, we, we can wait 15 days to see what's going on. Okay, great. We did. Um, but then became really, for me, it became really obvious when you started seeing the same taglines, like there's nothing new under the sun. Like scripture says, there's nothing new under the sun. There's no new lie. It's just, it's just maybe got a, a different lacquer painted on it. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, there, there's, I don't want to say that there's no new athlete, but like there's, there's components to being a great athlete. And those are tried, tested and true components of, you know, you, you can't smoke, uh, a, a hundred packs a day and be a great at like there's, there's laws out there's nothing new. And so I just happened to be finishing up like three or four very pointed um, chapters and podcasts on propaganda. And then you just started seeing the entire world repeat the same line and kind of put up my hand and said, well, what about a local opinion? Yeah. Well, what do you mean about a local opinion? Well, isn't a doctor supposed to serve individuals and, and individual patients? Oh, nice. Like, shouldn't I be thinking about my lo local community? If the whole world was dying, yet my little town of Alliston is not, wouldn't I want to either invite the whole world here or at least tell people that it's not, that, you know, and you, it just all of a sudden, very easily, the old lies um, if so, people need to be reading history. That, that, that's the point well, of my ramble on this one, because history is so powerful. Because yeah, there's a lot of history that's a lie. Yeah, that's fair. But I, I still would say that none of this has been so veiled. I, I, I understand there's like there's like levels of knowledge, right? There is the 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 thing that's right before my eyes. Like I'm that's my daughter's room right over there. And then there is the um, I have to read 15 textbooks to get a, a fairly accurate history. And then there's like the stuff that takes investigative journalists years and years and years to, to unravel. Well, the reality, you, you've already said it and I agree with you. It's all on their website. Like if I want to talk about digital ID coming to Canada, I, I don't, I don't have to go anywhere 
but to three or four public websites that name and list uh, Canada as a partner in this pilot project that has Canada right beside the World Economic Forum. Like, it's not even that history has been so rewritten that we, we can't unravel it yet. It's like they're being obvious about this. And what it takes is courage. And it takes, I believe, a, a belief in uh, a discovery of truth over comfort. And that's what most people are just – that's what I've learned so much. People are unwilling, and I would say b- spiritually, biblically, like – Am, am I going to, am I going to face God? Is he going to be the judge of my life? And, and am I going to give account to God? They're unwilling to ask that question. Am I willing to lose my job? Am I willing to lose some friends? They're unwilling to ask that question for the sake of immediate comfort. And you've, you've walked through that. And, and I'm, I'm thankful that you've, that you're on the other side of that. I, I, I sure hope that at least a number of those important relationships in your life are are able to be repaired in the same way that I hope that for myself. But that's literally what it's been like for all of us who have said, just all I'm doing is looking around. What are you doing? Exactly. Instead of following what we're being told and do this, do that, do this without questioning it. Like as soon as you show any kind of uh, signs of wanting to question what they're telling you, that's right away now you're now a racist you're a bigot you're a we've been called every name in the book and i'm going i just did research and i can see it doesn't i don't have to look far there's a local gentleman here in edmonton who's been doing the data from the hospital getting data from two nurses in the hospital and he's been sharing it publicly canceled and he's getting like he gets annihilated all the time because he's sharing truth but the thing is his numbers don't lie. The nurses were taking pictures of what they were seeing in the hospital. And when they were telling us that 300 people were in the hospital, there was 150. Like, that's just a number I'm throwing at you. But they way over-exaggerated everything to make keep the fear going with everybody. So I was aware that way, but I was also aware because if we're in a pandemic, wouldn't we have people dropping dead all over the place? Like that first year? Like, wouldn't people just be like... Like we were seeing on the news, these fake videos of these crisis actors that were showing us how the hospitals were, they were actors. They, like, I mean, I, I, I watched so many videos of these actors getting busted too, like one, but they're in body bags and this one person decides that, you know, he's itchy or something and he starts, he gets up and he's moving and this person's doing a live hit and this person in a body bag starts moving. Like, just like, it's bananas what they think they're getting away with. But when, like I said to you, when you see it, you can't unsee it. So now when I watch things, I see right through it all, all of it. And there's, um, you tend to be, you tend to be really good with words. So when you say, I see it, you can't unsee it. That's a really crisp, fast way of saying, um, something that I think takes a little bit more to understand even too, because once you see it and you keep doing your research, you actually see so much more of it that the other stuff is like exactly. so obvious. Like for example, like we, we've got, we're talking about Edmonton. We've got, um, uh, we've got James kitchen uh, over there and we've got a few Western cases. I think one is in British Columbia and I think one is in Alberta. And then for the British Columbia one though, like we'll have five expert witnesses give 
We've got over a thousand pages of transcripts on our website right now, libertycoalitioncanada.com, of our expert witnesses who give medical fact, who give um, uh, like they just destroy the the narrative, and then you and then you have the government's one expert witness who basically says, "I don't like what I don't like what you guys said, and I don't like it." and and we actually have the transcripts on our website where I can't remember the phrase that he keeps repeating. I wish I, I'm not, I wish I could remember it, but I think he re- repeats the same phrase over 200 times in his testimony. I, I need to be really careful about that because it's actually okay. uh, on our website. People will be able to, you know, you can't unsee this kind of thing. It's like, you actually go, wait a minute. Like there's a, there's a, there's a court happening right now where five expert witnesses, one of the lead vaccinologists in Canada just testified this way. This guy said "nana nana boo boo," and we didn't. And what's happening? They asked us for a gag order on it. Like, you see more of it. That's kind of what I'm just trying to describe. And 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 people don't understand that. They don't understand that the 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 more you see, it's actually f- the more facts that are coming across your desk because now you're involved. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Because when I say you can't unsee it, it's because once you see really what this is about. You notice it everywhere. You notice it in all facets. So government, education, medical, everywhere. Um, even in the church, some churches, like everywhere. And so it's, it is pretty fascinating, but it's, it, it's laughable at this point. Like I'm sitting here going, okay, so they told us to, if we got these shots, we wouldn't get COVID. They told us all that. And then they go, no, they didn't. People are going, no, they never said that. You just play back videos of all of the leaders, health officials and leaders actually saying that. And then they go, yeah, but science changes. Okay. But they told you, you wouldn't get this. Okay. Then they said, and you can't transmit it. Oh, well now the, now they're admitting that they knew Pfizer admits now that they knew that they didn't even test for that. So they lied about that too. No, they never lied. They never said that. You show videos of them saying, and you won't transmit this to grandma and kill her. Like, you cannot make these people see it. But again, when we were awake to it, it's like, oh gosh, they've lied from the very beginning. And you said it well a while ago. You said, when you start noticing that local, and then you got, uh, you know, you got your your Canadian uh, news networks, and then you've got France, you've got Germany, Russia, all these countries and their and their uh, news anchors are literally saying the same script, same thing. It's identical. They're reading the same script night after night after night, and you see it all. It goes from one reporter to five to ten to a hundred to twenty thousand, and you see all this huge screen of all these reporters, and they're saying the same thing in sync. <laughs> it's I can laugh now. Yeah, no, I know it. Honestly, you do have to just laugh. Like there, a lot of the times, you know, someone will say something. Yeah, I, you have you have a you have a great Twitter following, and so I'm sure you're getting a ton more of it than me. But you know, uh, the CBC and CTV just put out um, just put out articles on kind of trying to highlight for people that that we were a part of uh, just helping motivate individuals to think about running for. Uh, for their school boards and, and things like that. And, you know, they'll use all of these inflammatory words. And I, I just, I just have to laugh at it. I, I, I always have two thoughts. I'm like, number one, you got it so wrong. And then number two, 
if you had to just listen to my podcast, you'd have so much better dirt on me than what you just slung. Like, just listen to the podcast more, and you'd I'd give you so much fuel. You could go for days. Um, okay, but let, let's just talk about this for a minute, just to help contextualize it for for listeners. The the media storm, because again, I think people get overwhelmed when they hear you and people like you and I talk and they think, really, can it be all that coordinated? But let's just go back to your skating story. Did it take a tremendous amount of coordination for that story to go out? Like, like, or, or within sports, like you would have regularly heard both accurate and inaccurate reports where, where reporters were just stealing off of each other, where, uh, like it, my, my point is, have you experienced where it actually doesn't create, it doesn't, if you've convinced the whole world that the World Health Econo- the World Health Organization is a good, reputable organization, and if they give out an idea or a policy that you should repeat it, it doesn't actually re- require a lot of effort after that's been done for the same talking points to go out, does it? I can tell you right now as an athlete, I've done many interviews. And Dave and I used to get so discouraged because we've done some really, we thought, great interviews. And the next day or whenever the interview actually was released, it was twisted, manipulated, and it was not exactly how we were told it was going to be. They had an agenda themselves, and whoever told them to, you know, we want to to really do this. So they would ask specific questions, and we would leave there feeling, great, this is going to be awesome. And we'd watch the next day with our jaws open, like, what? That's not what we said, or that's not what we, that's not what we meant by that, but they made it look a certain way by taking words and cutting off your, your explanation or whatever. And then Dave used to say to me, never believe what you're reading and only believe of half of what you're seeing, like actually seeing for your eyes. And so that's been shocking for me as my, he's my skating partner and my ex-husband. I'm like, how are you not seeing this, Dave? You were the one that told me that the media often has an agenda themselves and they make things the way they want it to make it. So my whole scandal, it was very deeply planned. It wasn't just planned like at the Olympics. They went, it goes back years. I said that in the beginning, like all of this is a plan. It's, it's all planned. So I I hate to say that they're calling this the pandemic. Like it's been planned. This was planned. No, I agree with you. What I'm trying to what I'm trying to nuance here with for our listeners is it doesn't create a tremendous infrastructure to implement that type of plan. All you have to do is have a you you have a few very key operators in very important positions. Yes. Who then say you should go do this like Pfizer. It's safe, okay? It, it didn't take too many people to say it was safe and then now to say well we never said it was safe. For the media who, who you know, like you said, they just want to sell newspapers. They'll do anything with your testimonies. Try being a Christian pastor and getting an honest read in a newspaper. Like, I'm actually surprised that you would have felt that same thing as an athlete. But I know, I know for us, we don't even do uh, – if, if a reporter wants to interview me, we do it all written. And then we release my answers to their questions prior – prior to them even releasing the article mm. because they'll do exactly what you've just said. I'm surprised that you experienced that as, as an athlete, but I, I guess I shouldn't be. No, because, you know, we do live interviews, which are obviously more truthful because it's live. They can't cut and edit and make it the way they want to make it. But yeah, a lot of our print and um, like interviews that are recorded 
100% they've been able to manipulate them. And it's been really heartbreaking because from a, a person of truth and love, I go, that is, that is not, that is, does not represent me. Like it's, and then you get a bad taste in your mouth. And so there's another example of being awake and not watching the news, but I also knew that the media wasn't very truthful at times. I mean, they only tell us what we, they want us to know. So it's very easy to control the world when the dark elites of this world control the media. They control them. They tell them what to say and how they're, I mean, it's very obvious right now, the fact that the media isn't wanting to put out any truth around any of this. Like lots has come out and not one of them are talking about the WEF. They call it a conspiracy. Well, there's no conspiracy if it's true, <laughs> you know, and they're not talking. Yeah, there's no conspiracy when you have videos of Justin wow. Trudeau literally saying, look to Canada to usher in yeah. the fourth industrial revolution. And you go, wait, what's the background? What's that blue background with little lettering with white little, oh, it's his W. Yeah. And who's that sitting off in the, like, it's literally a, 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 a student before a teacher. And again, the, 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 I try to remind my listeners, that's not abnormal. Like, it, it, you know, that's not abnormal for someone who admires a coach to say, okay, now look, I'm going to implement it. Yeah. I'm going to actually do what you've coached me to do. It just means that they've actually bought in to the ideology. And again, this is such a battle for worldviews. This is a battle for ideology. And then at the same time, it also just means you have to be honest. Like, yeah, they're doing that move because the coach told them to do that move. Mm -hmm. Like anybody who would have watched you as an athlete would have known that you're, you're, you're working with a coach and for people to continue to put their heads in the sand and say, no, no you know, none of these connections, it actually becomes quite easy to research it out. And I'm so glad that you are being public about this and courageous, you know, thank you, Jamie. I, I I've always said, you know, these freedom rallies for all of us, it, it's, it's this very weird environment of freedom fighters and like, ardent Christians. That's, that's, that's how I have found this to be. Mm -hmm. And I am hoping that those worlds continue to collide and, and, and more people um, put their faith in Christ and then also look into the, in, into the reality of what is going on around them. Yes. Uh, I really hope for that. And so hey, thank you for you know what? being on that journey and yeah, go ahead. I always tell everybody, you know, we've been told or heard a lot all our life that hope is important. we got to have hope, but I try to get people to say out loud that they have faith, have faith, you know, because I always felt, and Jim Carrey said this in one of his speeches, he said, hope is a beggar. You're bet you're like, it's like begging. I hope it works out. I'm going to have faith that we win this God wins truth wins. So that's, for me, that's how I see it. I see it as I have faith. I have faith in God. I have faith in myself and I have faith in all of us, humanity. I have faith that we win this. Well, it's interesting that you, you brought that out because it, it, it's, it's a true, it's a true statement, you know, hope. Um, there's a few things about that. I, uh, the way that I think about. Perspective. Pardon? That's just my perspective. Like that's how I see it. Cause I know that. No, no. I want to. I want to. I want to build on it. I. I, I want to build on it. For for what, what you need to understand is the difference between hope and faith, is, um, 
for for your faith to be sincere, you have to have the right object of your faith. So, for example, right? If if I if I just pure later couriered you an envelope and said, "Hey, Jamie, read it on while we're on air. Just just open up the envelope," and and there was a pill in it, and you had all of the hope that that pill was um, just a, the most tasteful tic tac in the world. And you had all the faith in the world that that tick that 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 pill was a tic tac. It wouldn't mean anything if I had sent you cyanide. I said, just take it, Jamie. All of the hope and all of the faith in the world don't matter if the object of your faith is the wrong object of faith. And so, as you're saying, as, as you're trying to say, okay, how do I have hope? And then you're trying to encourage people how to have faith. I've been on this side of the conversation going, you put your faith in Jesus and the word of God. And then now you have an actual object of faith. Like, yeah. again, I, I was convinced of putting my faith in Christ when I was probably about 19 years old, when I, I literally tried a whole lot of other stuff. And I was reminded, hey, you are putting your faith in the wrong things try Christ, like test, test his word. And I have not regretted that for a moment. And so just as you keep journeying on that and you keep calling people to faith, you know, read more about Christ because it's absolutely true. People want hope. They need hope. They need faith, but they need to be led to the right, to the truth, to the the way, to the life. And so, Yeah. yeah. Yes. I really thank you for having this conversation oh, yes. and um, it's been a pleasure. Everybody go, if you want some really nostalgic Canadian history, just go read, just go watch that, that documentary that Jamie said I had to do for homework, which I will happily do yeah. because my wife will enjoy sitting with me to do that. And it's been great to have this conversation with you. I, Jamie, tell everybody about you, uh, your show uh, with uh, Theo. Yeah, quickly. Uh, so, um, we have created, or uh, Joseph Borgo is the creator of Canadians for Truth, a, a beautiful man from, gentleman from Saskatchewan. Um, it's a long story, but I'm just going to sum this up because we, we, we do, we're coming to an end here. But basically, he created Canadians for Truth because he's a man of God and he wants the truth to come out. And so um, he's asked Theo and I to join his team to because we're the the two athletes speaking out and we are believers in this. We all have faith and our principles are all aligned. God is the CEO of our company. And then it's love, truth and freedom and uh, fairness, as you said earlier too. So we we're creating a new, a media platform, if you will, to, um, and we want to unite Canadians. We want to even potentially make this bigger than just Canada, but we just want to bring, um, have a space for people of truth to come and share their stories because as we know, we're all getting canceled and censored. So a lot like you're doing and other uh, podcasters are doing, um, basically just creating that space in Canadians for Truth for people to come and share their stories. And um, we, we're very open to what the future holds for us. It's in God's hands. And but we also um, are very passionate about helping others. So even if it's not about interviewing people, it's about creating uh, a safe space for people to come and just hang out with us uh, in the office in Calgary and just talk if they need to talk to somebody and, and have support. So 
we're pretty excited about it. We do one live show a month that's aired on our website. So it's called, our website is canadiansfortruth.ca. Uh, one live show a month will be recorded and then put on that website. And then eventually when our studio is finished, we're going to be doing interviews with lots of different people. So the three of us, Joe, Theo, and I will be doing our own interviews for, um, for our website. Yeah. That's great. What's the name of the show? Well, my particular show is called Unstoppable Truth. Uh, and then Theo and okay. I are doing uh, once a month is called Fire and Ice by, with Jamie and Theo. Yeah, it's fun. I, we were both, he, he was a hockey player. I was a figure skater. So ice and then fire were both pretty fiery. We're passionate people. So it's appropriate. Yeah, no, I I understood the metaphor immediately. Thank, thank you for explaining it too. Maybe some of our listeners didn't understand that. Actually, it's really interesting. If you have if you have two more seconds, uh, I'll, I'll explain something. There is actually, if you want to read in the book of Revelation, chapter three, okay. Jesus actually says to the church at that time, it's a rebuke on the church. Okay. And he actually says to the church, you're lukewarm. And he said, so he, he talks to them about, I would rather you be hot or cold. Now, in our Canadian context, we usually go, oh, wait a minute, I'd rather you be passionately for me or or cold is passionately against me but that's not that's not the reference it's more actually similar to the name of your show uh, when when john wrote that and and was uh, sharing that vision of christ there was a town that was uh, in the area that was known for its hot springs and there was a town south of where he was writing that was known for its uh, really cold wells and the, the city that he is describing, the city of Laodicea, they were known for having lukewarm water. You, you couldn't get it hot and you didn't get it cold. And so it was worthy of being spat out of the mouth. So the metaphor is I'd rather you be hot on fire for me, passionate, cold, clear thinking, um, you know, uh, analyzing your faith and how you apply it to your life rather than being lukewarm. Yeah. So, yeah. There you go, fire and ice. Nice. Maybe you should add the tagline, not lukewarm. <laughs> we are definitely not lukewarm. <laughs> no, that's great. Hey, well, thank you for taking the time. Everybody share this video and uh, we just really appreciate these type of interviews. Jamie, thank you for being with us. Thank you so much. Okay, bye everybody. Godspeed.